It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on a Wednesday. Things aren't warming up a whole heck of a lot. Some of us woke up with a little bit of snow on the ground, but uh, that's okay. That's what we do here in February in the Great Plains. Scott Foster here with you, along with Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan. And Shaley Peters is here, fresh off of vacation, and she is pumped to be back in the wilds of Nebraska. Yes, Shaley? Yes. Yes. Could not be happier to go from 75 and sunny to 15 and windy. I don't even know. It, it, it does, and, and that's uh, that's the excitement. I mean, if it was 75 and sunny <laughs> every day, it would be boring. Maybe? Uh, sure. Okay. I would be willing, I'd be willing to take that boring. Okay, all yep. right. What do you got for us today, Shaley? So we've got kind of a variety throughout our midday today. Uh, coming up at 1219, I visit with Curtis Harms. He's with the Nebraska Corn Board. Um, they've got some vacancies to fill on their corn board, and they are seeking candidates. So we're going to find out more about that. At 1245, Chabella Guzman is going to step in with Director Wellman from the Nebraska Department of Agriculture. And Western Farm Seeds on hemp, which is a hot topic right now, and kind of a plan that they've got moving forward and then back at 117 i'll be back in with extension educator ben beckman he's going to talk about discussing uh adjusting seeds for moisture content there's a little bit of trick there um especially with as high moisture as some of our feed stuff is right now so okay lots of variety lots of stuff going on very good well good that we kept you busy after uh vacation too you wouldn't want to think i uh Hit the ground running, that Good is job. for sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Shaley. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen right now. And uh, it's a letter of intent day. Yes? It is. Of course, this day isn't as big as it used to be since they moved up for most of the Division One kids actually sign in December. But for others, it's still a big day, especially at the Division Two and the mm-hmm. NAIA level. Of course, UNK will... Announce its recruiting class uh, throughout the day. We'll get the thoughts of head coach Josh Lynn. I know he's very excited about this class they've been able to put together. It's amazing what winning games does on the recruiting trail. <laughs> plus, plus the news that they've retained him, it probably helps that, too. Exactly right. Uh, UNK will hold a signing party tonight at Cunningham's on the Lake in Kearney from 5.30 to 7.30. Everyone is welcome to attend that event, and Coach Lynn will be there and other coaches, and they'll uh, talk about the recruits that are coming in for the Lopers. Also, we'll talk about the UNK basketball team, the women's basketball team. They are ranked for the first time since 2008. I'm not surprised by that. They're 20 and 2. They've been playing good ball. Uh, they have a big game coming up tomorrow night against Central Oklahoma. So we'll touch on all of that. And uh, Mark D'Antonio takes his uh, four million dollars at Michigan State and walks out the door. See ya. Yeah, <laughs> that's a nice golden parachute if there ever was one. <laughs> no doubt. Much like Bob Brogan's golden parachute that uh, he has here at Carrie. I don't think so, but uh, (laughs) let me know about that, will you? All right, I'll check in. Stocks are extending their rally today into a third day as investors assess the latest solid corporate earnings reports, and investors are assessing assessing that, meanwhile setting aside fears about economic fallout from the virus outbreak. That and more coming up in the business news. All right, that's all. Time for us to check in on our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here with us to tell us more. 
Nice to see the sunshine yes. gradually returning across the area. Still some areas with some clouds moving through, mainly over southeast Nebraska. Quite a bit of cloud cover. Omaha to Lincoln and the Hebron area and points off towards the southeast. That's associated with that band of light snow that's now into southern Iowa on into southeast Nebraska, northeast Kansas. In some areas of the region, it did drop a light coating of snow and did make for some slight difficult uh, travel conditions today. Also, a band of clouds moving through a portion of central Nebraska, south of Broken Bow, down through Lexington, McCook, on towards western areas of Kansas, towards about the Hill City, or make that Colby and Hoxie area. So you will encounter some clouds today, but a lot of us enjoying increasing amounts of sunshine. Temperatures right now, mostly in the mid to upper 20s, where we still do have some cloud cover in southwestern areas of Nebraska, especially from Lexington on into the southwest corner of Nebraska and northwest Kansas. Temperatures in the upper teens to the low 20s. That sunshine, thanks to some high pressure building in from the north. Temperatures today will be milder, but still about 10 degrees shy of what we're usually at for this time of year. Tomorrow will be milder as we see seasonal temperatures, but increasing cloud cover just ahead of a weak cold front that will drop south. With that front's passage tomorrow, some flurries and sprinkles will be possible by tomorrow night. Temperatures on Friday behind that front, slightly cooler, but still near seasonal. The weekend through Monday looks to be dry and seasonal with some passing clouds as weak disturbances track southeast through the region. We will watch some low pressure approach from the southwest by Monday night into Tuesday. Some slight chances of rain and snow with that system, but it looks like the main brunt of any snow or rain chances with that system next week will stay well to our south. In our long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas are forecast to be colder than normal Monday through February 18th. Now, during that time in central Nebraska, seasonal or Average highs are usually in the low 40s with average overnight lows in the upper teens. Above normal precipitation does remain likely Monday through the 18th for Nebraska, Kansas, and nearly all of the U.S. Key weather factors in the markets include expected rain and snow in the Midwest and rain expected to disrupt the central soybean har- central Brazil soybean harvest. A complex storm near southeast the southeast Texas coast will reach coastal New England by Friday. Wintry weather will occur from west central Texas all the way to New England. And this does include the southeast plains of the U.S., mid-Mississippi Valley, and the lower Great Lakes. In the south and east Midwest, the forecasted rain and snow this week and more widespread and heavier precipitation next week continues to increase the concern about delays in spring planting. In the southern plains, the rain and snow in southern areas is maintaining favorable soil for soil moisture for winter wheat. Increasing precipitation and the potential for some cold weather six to ten days out will bring about some risk to livestock. In Brazil's major crop areas, there's a wide variance in rainfall. Central to western Brazil's moderate to heavy rain this next week will delay soybean harvest and second crop corn planting. Southern Brazil's drier and hotter weather is causing soil drying and crop stress. For central Argentina, locally heavy rain occurred in Cordoba last night. That storm weakening as it moves over Santa Fe and northern Buenos Aires today and tomorrow. The rain mostly beneficial. Showers in southern Argentina will continue the next day or two with some Cooler weather working its way slowly eastward after they've been hotter and drier. All right. Very good. Well, it should be interesting. We'll keep an eye on everything for you. Paul, where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Nebraska Corn Board seeks candidates for vacancies. I'm Shaley Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network and we're going to hear more about that today with Curtis Harms. He's the Director of Communications with the Nebraska Corn Board. 
And Curtis, you currently have three vacancies, and we'll get a little bit more into what those vacancies entail in just a little bit. But first, tell us more about what these vacancies are, where these vacancies are at. The Nebraska Corn Board has nine directors, but eight of those are representing specific districts across the state of Nebraska. And then we have a ninth at-large member that, that serve on behalf of the board. And we have three positions that are open at this time. Um, District 2, which incorporates those counties of Adams, Clay, Fillmore, Franklin, Webster, Knuckles, and Thayer. And then District 3 includes the counties of Merrick, Polk, Hamilton, and York. And then our at-large position is also open, which represents the entire state of Nebraska. Who currently serves in these positions, Curtis? In District 2, we've had a farmer by the name of John Greer. He's from Edgar, Nebraska. In District in District 3, Brandon Honeycutt is from Giltner, Nebraska. And our at-large member is Jay Reiners, and he is from Junietta. So go into detail then on what the position includes for someone that might be interested in applying for it. So the Nebraska Corn Board, our mission is really to promote the value of corn by creating opportunities. And all of these directors work on behalf of that mission. And so we're working in four key areas of market development, research, promotion, and education. Um, the board will meet several times a year to kind of determine how they want to administer checkoff funds in these four areas. And so board members may serve on, on subcommittees too, such as a communications committee or a market development committee or maybe a research committee um, or maybe even a government relations committee, all designed to really fulfill and work towards that mission of enhancing Nebraska's corn industry. So for qualified candidates, they need to be citizens of Nebraska, they need to be at least 21 years old and have been actively engaged in growing corn in Nebraska for a period of at least five years, and a substantial portion of their income um, must be received from growing corn. Now the way interested parties apply for these positions or vacancies is a little bit different. Explain that, Curtis. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned early in the interview, we have nine districts across the state. Eight of those represent specific districts. And so in those, those districts, if we have an interested party that's really interested in becoming a member of the Nebraska Corn Board, they will need to, in districts two and three, they will need to gather 50 signatures from other corn growers across this, their district. Um, where that at-large member will also need to gather 50 signatures, but that could represent the entire state of Nebraska. Now, districts two and three, those ultimately will be appointed by the governor of the state of Nebraska. So once the, the applications and the, the petitions are collected, they'll submit it to us, we'll submit it to the governor's office, and then he'll make the final appointment. And then the at-large member is appointed by the other eight directors of the corn board. So that is, is, is on behalf of the board is chosen or selected. And finally, I do think it's a little ways off, but an important reminder of what the deadline is to apply. Our deadline for submission is May 15th. Um, our fiscal year runs from July 1st through June 30th, so our new fiscal year is coming up this summer, and that's when the new appointments will take effect. Um, whoever's chosen for that, the governor will make his decision by that time, and they'll be notified, and the July 1st will be kind of their, their start of their term. Thanks so much, Curtis Harms, Director of Communications with the Nebraska Corn Board. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to check in on sports. Here's Jason. 
Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, today is National Letterman Tent Signing Day. UNK head football coach Josh Lynn really feels good about the class that the Lopers were able to assemble. We're looking to sign anywhere from 30, 30 to 35 high school kids. And then uh, we sprinkled in about anywhere from five to seven transfers. So, you know, a good solid number would be anywhere from 35 to 40 on Wednesday. Um, we've had a really good weekend. I know we've had a lot of good commits before Christmas and uh, leading up to signing day. But UNK will hold a signing party tonight from 5.30 to 7.30 at Cunningham's on the Lake in Kearney. Coach Lynn will discuss his class. The public is invited to attend. Once again, that happens tonight in Kearney. Hundreds of thousands of fans are flooding downtown Kansas City at this point as the triumphant Chiefs brought home their Super Bowl trophy. Several schools in the area canceled classes, freeing up buses to haul fans to the celebration. City staff that weren't involved in public safety or other essential services were also freed up of their duties so they could watch the parade. The Kansas legislature canceled today's session while lawmakers in Missouri planned a light day. Well, Lexington's Nick Size became the all-time scoring leader at Lexington High School last night as the Minutemen beat Broken Bow 60-31. Size scored 13 points to pass up Hall of Famer Pat Hodges to move into first place. Hodges' record of 1,183 points had stood since 1974. Size now has 1,189 points in his four years of varsity basketball, and he feels this accomplishment is very important to him. It means everything to me. I've been working so hard for this my whole life, and... It just feels great to get it, and I couldn't thank my teammates enough, especially Dylan. It, like these last two games, with playing without him has been the hardest thing, and it makes me realize how much I need him to score and how much he helps our team. This season, size has averaged 17 points per game for the Minutemen, who improved to 12 and 6 on the year. The UNK women's basketball team, who's on an eight-game winning streak, is now ranked 23rd in the Division II Sports Information Director of America Top 25. This is UNK's first ranking in a national Top 25 since November of 2008. The Lopers are back at home tomorrow night with a tricky one against 15-6 and six Central Oklahoma. Women's game at 5.30, men's game at 7.30. You can hear those games on the River app and at 93.1 The River. And Chandra Farmer of Hastings has been named the NAIA National Women's Basketball Division II Player of the Week. She was nominated for her performances last week as she helped Hastings College improve to 24-0 on the year. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Prizes are up for grabs in the Live Well February Fit Challenge. The Nebraska Sports Council is providing a Visa gift card for drawing for participants who accumulate over 30 miles during the month of February. Executive Director Dave Milnarek adds more. The best thing to do is to get signed up now. Go to livewellchallenge.com, build your account, just make sure you log your miles. My firm advice to all people is to make sure you schedule your exercise. Schedule it, do it, log it, and maybe even earn a $250 gift card. There is no cost to participate in the February Fit Challenge. For more information or to sign up, log into livewellchallenge.com. President Donald Trump is on the verge of acquittal by the Senate. An afternoon vote will bring an end to only the third presidential impeachment trial in American history. The impeachment vote comes at the start of a tumultuous campaign for the White House. A majority of senators have expressed unease with Trump's pressure campaign on Ukraine that resulted in the two articles of impeachment. But there's nowhere near the two-thirds vote necessary in the Republican-held Senate to remove the president from office. It's been confirmed that 70 people possibly exposed to the coronavirus in China are being flown to Camp Ashland in eastern Nebraska to be quarantined. Infectious disease specialist at UNMC, Dr. Mark Rupp, 
says they're ready to assist the State Department of Health and Human Services if needed. And what we've seen in China is that if we don't take precautions and we don't take this seriously, it can spread very widely, and we want to try to prevent that from happening in the United States. Any American who traveled near Wuhan, China, must be quarantined for two weeks. A proposal that could allow Nebraska's legislature to expand from 49 to 55 senators has hit a wave of opposition. The proposal by Speaker of the Legislature, Jim Shear, would give voters the chance to increase the maximum number of state lawmakers in Nebraska. If voters approve the ballot measure in the November election, lawmakers would then need to pass a bill to increase their ranks. Shear says he introduced the measure to ensure that rural constituents have easier access to their elected representatives. Some Nebraska residents may be a little nervous about their primary election as a result of technical problems in the Iowa caucuses, but the state's election chief is trying to put the state's voters at ease. Nebraska Secretary of State Bob Evnen says Nebraskans can be confident their primary election ballots will be counted and reported promptly and accurately. We do not have a caucus situation in Nebraska. None of Nebraska's political parties will use caucuses this year. Uh, for their presidential primaries or for any other purpose, as far as I know. Nebraska's primary election will be held on May 12th. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. The Nebraska Department of Agriculture had its hemp plan approved January 28th by the United States Department of Agriculture. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Interest in industrial hemp has grown with producers since the legalization of the crop with the 2018 Farm Bill. Nebraska Department of Agriculture Director Steve Wellman says people can apply for licenses throughout the year, and as before, there will be a vetting process. For each application, and then once... uh once we are satisfied that they're qualified, we'll send a, a um, response to, to the person that applied. There will be a fee for the license, and then once they once we we receive the payment, the grower or the broker or the handler will have a uh, receive a permit from us, a license from us, and then they will be uh, ready to go. Before this month, Nebraska had only allowed a handful of licenses. Among them was Mike Hain, who received one of the ten permits the Nebraska Department of Agriculture allotted to individuals in 2019 to grow hemp. The crop of three varieties was the first crop for the new business, Western Farm Seeds in Scotts Bluff. Now, with the USDA approval of Nebraska's hemp plan, the company is getting ready to harvest, replant, and begin selling its product. P.J. Hain, a co-owner of Western Farm Seeds, says the Nebraska hemp plan has stuck pretty close to the USDA guidelines. Like others, he would like to see testing looked at closer, though. There is some conversation still about the, the uh, testing. A couple things there, but, you know, those will get sorted out down the road here. Um, I think the state of Nebraska has done a great job as far as uh, uh, alleviating the transportation challenges or, or issues or and things of that nature. So, no, I think they did a really good job overall. While industrial hemp is legal, its cousin is not, and many drivers who have been transporting hemp have been running into issues with the law. In the NDA hemp plan in Nebraska, when transporting hemp, drivers or those transporting the hemp will need a bill of lading indicating the hemp's owner, its point of origin, and its destination, as well as documentation affirming that it was produced in compliance with the law. 
Haynes says this is important for any kind of agriculture industry to move their product to buyers or markets. Western Farm Seeds is in the midst of harvest this month. Haynes says their hemp plants and harvest is running well. We just started our first harvest here, so uh, we got our test results back. We were uh, about 12 and a half times below the illegal threshold, so so we're real happy with the crop and how it's turned out. Um, so yeah, we just started to uh, to get those cut and hung and dry, and we'll start threshing seed here shortly. And the seeds will help supply growers locally and across the U.S. in growing a good hemp crop. Since this is the first year of unrestricted industrial hemp growth in Nebraska, Wellman says they did have to budget for an expected amount of growers. When we put together the budget, which is uh, obviously strictly a budget, we we budgeted for about 270 growers and 30 processors. Those numbers, um, I'm sure we won't be accurate on that, but that's what we budgeted. We uh, had to include a budget with our our proposal to USDA. While growers are in the process of getting their licenses, Western Farm Seeds has five bays in its greenhouses, but only one bay has plants, and they are ready for harvest. Art Hain, secretary-treasurer of Western Farm Seeds, explains more on how the harvest began. When we go to harvest, but we had them in a vegetative state, 18 hours of light a day, and then when we went to um, 12 hours a day, they flowered, we pollinated them, and so now, <clears throat> now when they come to the seed, is ready to, to be harvested. We cut the plant and we hang it upside down because we want the plant to be good and dry in order to be able to separate the seed from the plant. Haynes says the harvest is running good at the greenhouse. We have um, three varieties. We're kind of um, harvesting one variety at a time. Right now we're doing what we call the wives and then we have Montana's and Franklin's and so they'll take probably four days, four to five days to dry and then we'll run them through the thrasher and then the seed counter and uh, right now we've been averaging about 2,000 seeds per plant. Haynes says with the harvest they will replant and have all five bays filled up with plants. Then by mid-May they are hoping to be ready to sell the seeds and they have seen a lot of interest in their seeds. The interest has been really, really good. We've had uh, people that uh, a lot of uh, farmers are, are coming to us that have a lot of interest in it, and uh, even even seed suppliers are actually talking to us. So we've actually been really excited about that. That's been real good for us. Wellman says those looking to grow industrial hemp shouldn't wait on getting their applications that are now available. Application will be continuous throughout the year. Uh, licenses will be issued According to the plan, according to state statute, there are qualifications that the applicants need to clear. So there will be a vetting process that we go through here at the department for each application. Wellman says to allow for at least 30 days for the application process. There are um, fingerprint searches that have to be done and, and background checks that actually will be part of the application. So as long as as long as the applications are complete, and that's one thing that they, they need to be complete to start with, we're asking for at least 30 days to go through each application, make, the, make sure they qualify before we respond to the applicant. For more information on the approved plan and to apply for a license, visit the NDA website at nda.nebraska.gov. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman.
Time for us to take a look at our midday business report here on a Wednesday afternoon. The overnights in the overseas stocks, uh, good. The Japanese Nikkei up 237 again. The Hong Seng in Hong Kong was up 111. The FTSE in London was up 42. And the German DAX index up nearly 200 points. The 10-year yield right now here in the United States is up uh, 2.6%. And the uh, stocks are good, too. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 402, the NASDAQ up 26, and the S&P is up 31. Bob Rogan. Stocks are extending their rally on Wall Street as investors assess the latest batch of solid corporate earnings reports and set aside fears about economic fallout from the virus outbreak that originated in China. The U.S. trade deficit fell for the first time in six years in 2019 as President Donald Trump hammered China with import taxes. The Commerce Department says the gap between what the U.S. sells and what it buys abroad fell 1.7% last year to $616.8 billion. A private survey finds that U.S. companies added 291,000 jobs in January. That's a big increase from December, but much of that strength likely reflected unusually warm weather during the month. And President Donald Trump is on the verge of acquittal by the Senate. An afternoon vote will bring an end to only the third presidential impeachment trial in American history. So lots of business going on today, and we're uh, we're following it. All right. Thank you very much, Bob. Welcome back to the Buffalo Bill Farm and Ranch Expo in North Platte. I'm Susan Littlefield. Back talking with Jordan with Lashley Land and Recreational Brokers. We're going to talk a little about this agricultural land. And, and you made a comment to me before we started this. It really comes down to location, location, location and quality. Absolutely. Thanks, Susan. Um, When we're selling farm ground, location and quality is key. And what we've seen is we've really seen that the farmland market has held very steady. We're not breaking any records, but the good farm ground is still selling to, you know, not only local, but uh, investor buyers. What are some things that people are looking for when they're out there buying farmland? You know, they want good quality soils. They want something that lays nice, you know, something that's going to be productive. And in times with down commodity prices, production is what's going to keep guys profitable and with and if you're going with marginal ground or any lesser quality you're not going to get that production like you may on a higher quality piece so therefore it will bring more at sale speaking of sales you guys have some great auctions that are ability for them to go check them out on your website absolutely our market reach is phenomenal for what we can do to advertise properties for people which is really key with auctions because there's a lot of opportunities out there um, for absentee buyers to come into these auctions in fact we had an auction just recently we had over 170 people in attendance with very active bidding so location and quality again is key for auctions and a great website that helps kind of wrap it all together in one great package. Right, and our website is phenomenal. We get roughly forty to 45,000 visitors per month. We have over 10,000 followers on our Facebook, and we have over 3,000 subscribers to our newsletter, which is where we announce all of our new listings. And that's key, getting it in front of people and doing it quickly. The website is? Lashleyland.com. All right, go check it out. From the Buffalo Bill Farm and Ranch Expo, I'm Susan Littlefield. the moisture content of your feedstuffs. I'm Shaley Peters back with you on the Rural Radio Network and we're going to hear today from Extension Educator Ben Beckman. He put together an article on this month's Beef Watch talking about just that and some of the things that we should be looking out for. Now when we're looking at our um, hay resources we're well aware of a lot of the impacts that happen when we have 
hay that's been put up too wet. Uh, we have mold issues a lot of times. Uh, you know, a really big concern that gets talked about a lot is is internal combustion. Um, when we get things really, really wet, we have that danger. Um, but there's always uh, another side to it here, and that's we can have some heating that occurs on a lower level, but still has some of these issues that arise, like you mentioned, that aren't quite as noticeable and, and actually might be seen as a positive to some producers, but can still cause some issues for us. So what initially happens, because hay isn't protected from oxygen like a lot of our anaerobically fermented feed things, um, things like silage, haylage, where we're putting those in a either a really wet environment or we're wrapping them or we're putting them in a silo or a bunker and packing those tightly, since that oxygen can get in, that allows microbes and, and bacteria that are present naturally on that, that hay to continue to grow and they start using the plant proteins and sugars and start kind of decreasing the, the nutrient value of our hay initially. And in that process, we get some heat that's produced. That's just kind of naturally occurring. It's going to happen anytime that we put up hay. But when we get hay that's too wet, this process continues for a longer period of time and we get into this period where we kick off something called the Maillard reaction. Beckman talks a little bit more about what exactly that Maillard reaction is. Um, the Maillard reaction is, um, even if you've never heard of it, uh, you're probably familiar with it. It was described by a French chemist um, in 1912, and it's what's responsible for a lot of the browning and cooking of foods um, that we have whenever you're doing something in the kitchen. So whenever you're searing a steak on the grill, that nice you know, dark grill marks that we get. Um, it's responsible for the crust on bread. And we can have this occur in our hay as well. What happens again is we get this heat. It starts to build up in around 170 degrees Fahrenheit. The Maillard reaction kicks off. And the reaction itself is just um, naturally occurring at this high temperature where proteins and sugars in the hay start to combine and change and denature. And it turns into something they call a Maillard polymer. And the results, that really sweet, um, caramel-looking hay, um, some people call it uh, kind of tobacco-smelling. And, you know, see this sometimes in our bales, and, and cows actually love it. It's the same reason that we like a well-cooked steak. It's really tasty, something that those animals kind of seek out and prefer. Now, the issue with this is that that Maillard polymer, while our animals like it and it's really tasty, isn't as great nutritionally as the base hay would be. That chemical reaction that developed that Maillard polymer has kind of denatured the proteins and made them unaccessible uh, for our animals to actually use. And the big catch with this is the fact that our standard crude protein content in our feed analysis doesn't catch these you know, heat-damaged proteins, these Maillard polymers. So if we send in a hay sample from some hay that's had this Maillard reaction occurring, uh, we're going to get crude protein content that's actually higher than what the animal is actually going to get out of that hay. Again, hearing from Extension Educator Ben Beckman, beef.unl.edu is where you can find the rest of this Beef Watch article. You're listening to the Rural Radio. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, a little bit of a lower volume trade day, not a whole lot of action waiting for something to feed the bull. But does this give us maybe more of a positive long-term out-term picture that these commodities could go higher? I hope so. I hope so. If you got my newsletter this morning, I put a chart on there of equities versus stocks. And it's uh, 
we've seen commodities or equities rally like eight times uh, versus the commodity complex. So it's just in the last four years. So it's, you know, we'd think at some point you would see raw materials travel higher and, and chase it, but it, it just hasn't been the case here. Even when, uh, you know, China news comes about and, you know, the S&P 500 trades higher and, you know, we're down down on, on markets like copper and cotton down today and then the hog markets, obviously, we've had trouble there. So it's, uh, you know, I'd like to think that it could turn around, but with the dollar above 98 now and you got price pressure there, it's, it's tough to think that we can really turn it around. So I think we're at the time in the, mo- in the month, really, where you want to start looking at selling rallies. If you can get a, oh, I don't know, you know, $9 price handle on the, on the uh, March beans, uh, corn, anywhere in the, you know, 385, I think you maybe even need to your target's down that low, um, maybe up to 390 if you really want to be bullish. And then on wheat, you know, somewhere here, I think we're close to a point where you want to be selling some just for the next couple of weeks and then write it down and look to buy it back at the first of the month when first notice day's over. As well, you're talking about the U.S. dollar index higher. We've got a lot of that seems to be driving this back into the U.S. dollar index. So where do we get to where we can get deflationary back once again on the dollar? Well... Honestly, you're going to think I'm crazy. And they say, unless you see these other markets strengthen their currency, so Europe, Japan, China, I mean, the, the emerging market currencies like Russia and, and uh, Brazil, uh, but they're not. I mean, they're they're in worse shape than we are. So what <laughs> I'm going to say this, and everybody's going to shake their head, what you need to do is really, really just act belligerently with your spending. And I think, um, you know, outspend what you grow. Uh, spend more than you make. And I, I think that would devalue the dollar and possibly get our... Uh, get our, uh, you know, commodity markets to rally then on good growth. But that, other than that, I just don't know. I don't see Europe getting off the, on their feet here anytime soon. Japan's been essentially stuck sideways for the last 20 years. And, um, you know, the emerging markets, it's a stretch to think Japan can be, or I'm sorry, uh, Brazil can be what it was back in, you know, 2008 when, um, you know, it was growing half of the acreage it was. So uh, it's, it's dire times, so to speak, for the U.S. producers. I, I feel for them. Um, it's almost as bad as it was good in the 2000 days for the for the uh, com- consumers as it was for the producers. So it'll flip at some point, hopefully. John Payne, senior marketing analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more danielzagmarketing.com. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.